dwelling in the darkest depths of the mind. It's time for Mark D. Valenti and Brain Burrow. Hello, everyone. This is Mark D. Valenti, and this is a special episode of Brain Burrow. This is not one of our Digging Deep sessions where I talk to a guest. Instead, this is one of the Brain Bites sessions where I break down a complex human behavior and give it to you in a bite-sized piece you have a chance to think about how does this apply to your life, just like you do in the Digging Deep sessions. It is the summer, so we're ramping up for spooky season where we will have more guests on Brainboro. But for now, I wanted to do these bite-sized pieces to give you a chance to maybe explore some of the topics that do come up as part of our sessions with the guests that we have on the show. Today, I want to talk about a topic called Uncage Your Brain. So what does that mean? That means that all of us as human beings have stress in our life. We deal with people. We deal with situations that cause us stress. Oftentimes we feel out of control. We feel like we don't have choices. So it's really about what can you do and what can you do to help refocus what's going on in your brain? How do you uncage a lot of the things that keep you down, that keep you stagnant? Uncaging your brain means reflecting on the lies that you tell yourself that keep you from being the best person you can be. They keep you from exploring new things, meeting new people, doing things that you want to do. So to understand how to uncage your brain, we need to talk about cognitive distortions. Cognitive distortions are essentially the things that we tell ourselves over and over again, things that we don't know objectively to be true, but they're things that keep our energy focused on stressful situations, on emotions that may or may not impact the reality of the world around you. There's a lot of books and research on this topic, probably 30, 40 different cognitive distortions, and there's a lot of overlap. So I break down these cognitive distortions into 11 specific ones that you can think about which one or ones may apply to you. I actually presented this a lot when I worked in healthcare, still work in healthcare, and to uh, physicians, nurses, others who took away a lot of uh, this information and said, okay, how does this apply to my life? So I'm trying this as part of Brain Burrow in a much shortened version to give you a chance to think about how it may apply to you. So here we go. So cognitive distortions specifically are these lies that we tell ourselves. First one I want to talk about is filtering. So filtering is really when you think about it, if you are acting in a movie or you write a book or you give a presentation to a bunch of people and afterwards you're thinking, this was amazing. This was an amazing performance. I think I did really, really well. And all of a sudden the reviews come in. If you're in a film, you see on IMDb, you see on Amazon, you see in all these different places and there's a bunch of reviews, a bunch of stars given out and they're really, really positive. People are just proclaiming how well you did and you feel really good about it. But then there's one on there that says something like, meh, it was okay. And filtering means you filter out all the good, all the positives and focus on just that one negative. You look at that and say, why can't I be perfect? What is it about me that makes this one person that upset? So cognitive distortions play a part in this because It's your choice what you want to focus on, but oftentimes we filter out all the good stuff in our lives and just focus on the negatives. Second cognitive distortion that comes up a lot is jumping to conclusions. So jumping to conclusions. Imagine if all of a sudden you get a text from your agent or 
your friend or somebody you know? And, you know, what automatically do you think? Do you think, is this a positive? Is this a negative? And that jumping to conclusions, you're assuming what the text is going to be about. You're assuming when you get a letter in the mail, uh, let's just say from, I don't know, a billing service or something, you automatically assume the worst. You don't really know what exactly is in that email, what is in that letter, you're automatically jumping to conclusions. Now, as human beings, we survived in the wild for all those years by trying to anticipate what's going on around us, because if we weren't really careful, we're going to get eaten by a tiger or get into some rival uh, clans, uh, sort of, uh, you know, what's going on with them. But we end up using cognitive distortions as human beings. And here's the thing, as human beings, we aren't that far from living out in the wilderness. We were doing this thousands of years ago. So a lot of these cognitive distortions started out as a way for us to survive. So anticipating or imagining things when you have no idea if it's going to happen or not is a way we jump to conclusions. So when you start thinking, oh, I bet that person's mad at me, or I bet you those people went to lunch and didn't ask me because they hate me, where mind reading. And as far as I know, you're not a mind reader. I'm not a mind reader. So when we try to imagine what's going on in somebody's mind, or we try to predict the future, that is us in our brains and cognitively distorting the situation. A third type of cognitive distortion is personalizing. So let's just say we do go to the store and the checkout clerk is seemingly upset. How many of you say, geez, was it something that I did? How many of you, when you look around you and somebody you know is acting in a negative way, we automatically personalize this and think it must be us, it must be our fault. Now, a lot of that comes from childhood, where perhaps if you grew up in a, a home where you were often blamed for everything, we automatically start personalizing everything negative around us. A fourth cognitive distortion is all or nothing thinking. So imagine for a second, um, presidential candidate, I'm just gonna break it down to the big two, Think about how you feel about Trump or Biden. Now, my guess is that you have strong positive feelings about one and strong negative feelings about the other. So no matter what your preferred presidential candidate does or says, it's like they can do no wrong. If the economy is doing well while they're in office, you're like, oh, that must be them. If it's doing poorly, oh, it's the other person who was there before them. All or nothing thinking is just looking at anybody you know and saying, if this person, I like them, that means no matter what they do, they can do no wrong. If you don't like them, it's they can do no right. So it's really about all or nothing thinking. Now we do it to ourselves too. Just because, for instance, you're if you're a parent uh, or if you have kids in your life, if you have a day where you yell at your kids, it doesn't mean that you become the worst possible person, the worst possible parent. If you're in an office setting or if you work on set and you have a bit of a negative reaction that day, maybe in your bad mood, it doesn't mean you're the worst possible actor or crew member. It doesn't mean you're the worst possible boss if you're in the office. And a lot of that all or nothing thinking means that if we feel like we do one thing, it makes us a horrible person. Another um, cognitive distortion the fifth one we're going to talk about today is catastrophizing. Catastrophizing is making mountains out of molehills. Now, it's similar to what I talked about with um, all or nothing thinking, but it just means we get one little thing. We get, uh, let's say we get in trouble at work. We get one bit of negative feedback from a spouse, and all of a sudden we think, all right, that's it. The whole relationship's done, or I'm going to get fired. 
overgeneralizing, we look at one specific thing that happens. Uh, maybe you get into an accident once and all of a sudden you start thinking every time you go out, you're going to get into an accident in your, in your vehicle. Or maybe you've had a bad incident where you were mugged or something like that at some point. But ever since then, you sort of overgeneralize situations and start thinking about if I go out of the house, is this going to happen to me again? And as you can see, there's a lot of overlap and a lot of these different cognitive distortions, but it's really about um, identifying some of these trends in yourself and saying, is what I'm thinking in my mind or what do I know to be true? And as we look at overgeneralizing, we oftentimes use language that's very absolute. We say things like, I'll never have a healthy relationship or I'm always going to be a failure. If we use the terms like never and always, it really shows that we're looking at this overgeneralizing uh, with also layers of all or nothing thinking. Labeling. Labeling comes up a lot. It comes up a lot in healthcare. Uh, we actually, you know, when you look at um, people who are struggling with some mental illness or if they're struggling with some mood disorders, uh, we, we label people. We say that person's bipolar, that person's schizo, that person's psycho. We label people just by a few actions. But when we label people, we fail to see them as an individual. We do it. We say that person's a Democrat or that person's a Republican. And when we label people, we're putting them into this category, this bucket through the lens of our own viewpoint, and we fail to see them as an individual. What we think about them doesn't make the objective reality of who they are, but we label people as a way to help us make sense of the world. And it makes our brains caged because we don't actually get to know them as a person. It prevents us perhaps from taking risks with them or feeling vulnerable around them and getting to know new people. An eighth cognitive distortion that I want to mention today is shooting. We should a lot. We have times in our lives when maybe we have regrets or we do something that isn't the best for our lives or the people around us. And we criticize ourselves. We should ourselves. We say, we, I should have done this differently. I shouldn't have done this. And it's like, huh, it's, it's, it's a really a negative because you're spending a lot of time with regrets and thinking about things you've done in the past. And it's hard because it prevents you from focusing on moving forward. So when we should ourselves, it does get messy because we start thinking about things and what we could have done differently. And it's okay to learn from them, right? So what I like to do personally, instead of saying, oh, I should have exercised today, I will call it out and say, okay, I did not exercise today, but what can I do to moving forward? I can control my actions. I can control how much I want to spend time lamenting about the past. I can have these emotions. And that's part of cognitive distortions, right? The step there is identifying whenever you have one of these emotions, identifying it for what it is, being kind to yourself. And instead of criticizing yourself saying, okay, this may not have been the best thing for me in my life. What did I learn for it, from it? What can I do differently moving forward? So it's really about reducing shooting in your life. But we also should other people, right? We look at people and say, oh, they should have been nicer to me, or oh, they should have practiced more when they were on set, or they should have done this or should have done that. There's also some things called a heaven's reward fallacy, where we say, oh, I should have got the job promotion because I put a lot of time in, or I should have got that part because I really auditioned well. We start using the word should, and when we use the word should, it's like we're putting a filter on the world of the way that we think it should be as opposed to the actual way it is. See, I just used should right there. But that's in terms of how I'm talking about this terminology of should. But it's um, really about 
stopping yourself whenever you're shooting and asking yourself, why am I shooting? Or how can I look positively moving forward? And ninth cognitive distortion is emotional reasoning. So what I'd like to bring up specifically is for me, I've flown on thousands of flights at this point in my life. And I know logically the chance of actually getting into an airplane accident is really, 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 really slim. But as I'm taking off, I always think, okay, most accidents happen on takeoff or landing. And I know logically the chances of it happening are super, super slim, but my emotions come into play, my fear, my panic. So every time I take off, I think about the emotional impact of crashing, et cetera. So it's when our emotions get in the way of our logical thinking, our wise thinking. And as human beings, we do it. That's what makes us human beings. We're emotional. Magnifying and minimizing. It's whenever we compare ourselves to other people. Again, the shooting comes into play there too, right? Because we think, oh, I should have done better like my colleague. If we're at work, we say, oh, I should be as good as uh, Nurse Jane whenever they're doing their job. Or if we're on set, we're like, oh, I should have done a better job. I should have been as good of a performer as Jack was or whatever. It's like we're magnifying our own flaws because we're comparing them to other people. And if we do this enough, we start losing our self-assurance and our confidence because we're constantly magnifying our own flaws or we're minimizing our own existence in the world. And that becomes a problem because it prevents you from doing the things you want to do because you feel afraid. And we label ourselves. We start saying things like, I'm stupid or I'm not successful, I'm a failure, all these things. And when we start magnifying our own negativity and, and, um, and minimizing our own place in the world. Finally, pushing change. So this is a big one that comes up in healthcare a lot. It's if we feel that if we could just give people enough information, if we could just make a case and if we could just present people with books or website links, it happens a lot online, right? We're always constantly saying, if this person would just read this report or if this person would just go to this site, that they're going to change. But as human beings, there's a lot that goes into change, behavioral change. But we feel that if we can just push change by dumping information. It's also in healthcare what we call the writing reflex, R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, reflex, which means we automatically, when somebody disagrees with us, we just feel if we dump information on them, that we can push that change. So those are the 11 cognitive distortions that I like to talk about, kind of, again, some overlap there, uh, but as I said, there's 30 or 40 of them that exist. I was trying to condense them down into with the least amount of overlap. So the next question is, so what do you do about it? Well, the big thing is, is become aware of it. So the idea behind me presenting this, and there's a PDF document that I put together. It's a one pager if you're interested as well, put a link on there, uh, is like looking at it and saying, when am I emotionally thinking? Asking yourself, what do I actually know versus what am I mind reading about or what am I speculating about? So the biggest step of what you can do is become aware of it. The second step is to be aware of this is, is that your brain just needs to be retrained, right? It's an opportunity of retraining your brain to think about things differently. So if you get into the habit of stopping and identifying whenever you're having these cognitive distortions, the more you do that, the more it becomes a habit and you retrain your brain. Sometimes people find it really helpful to write things down. And there's an app for this as well, which I'll talk about, or you can write it on a piece of paper. I can actually put a link uh, in there as well of just the grid that I've read a lot about and I've recommended to people. It's whenever you're in a situation, let's just say at the end of the day, and you had a stressful day and you find yourself ruminating and perseverating about a situations. It's identifying when you're in a situation, pausing, stopping yourself, 
and start thinking about it. So for instance, if I was at home and I was thinking, oh, I did really, really poorly today uh, on set. I screwed up that part really bad. So it's about identifying it and saying, okay, what happened today? What's going on with me? It's naming my emotions, disappointment. And my thought is I'm a failure. But it's about changing that thought, right? Instead of saying I'm a failure or I'm horrible, right? Which is labeling myself or I should have done better. It's how do I change that to more objectively? What do I know? So my thought was I was on set. I feel that I didn't do well. And I don't know that for sure. It's just my feelings, but I have no way of being able to tell if I did this or not or not. I have no way to tell if I've done this or not. So then going back and saying, okay, what cognitive distortions are there? Well, I'm jumping to conclusions. I'm thinking about, uh, I'm, I'm imagining, I'm mind reading that people think I'm a failure. I'm looking at it at personalizing, right? Or I'm, or I'm specific, or maybe I'm like uh, overgeneralizing, right? Even if I did have a bad day, it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. And then it's asking yourself, okay, if someone else you know was feeling the same way. If somebody you know said that they felt like they were a failure or felt like they had a really bad day on set or in the office or whatever, it's about what would you tell that person? What would you tell a friend, somebody you cared about if they were saying the same things? And the challenge is saying the same things to yourself. So if a friend of mine said they were a failure, I would talk with them and say, well, tell me about how you're feeling. And I would tell them it, it's, you know, you only know your feelings. You don't know that if people judged you, you don't know if you did poorly. So what I would tell that friend is what I would tell myself. Then the final step, right? Cause you sort of, you know, in the situation, you come with a thought, you think about what the cognitive distortions are. The challenge is what would you tell a friend that you care about and then replace it with something else, right? The replacement could be, I was on set today. I've don't know for sure that I did poorly. I feel that way. But the bottom line is I got the audition and I was able to be on set in the first place. I worked really hard to do this. I'm not an actor by trade, but I've done a lot of work to become an actor and do these things. So it's focusing on the positives that got to me there versus the negatives and that negative feelings and cognitive distortions. So you see how it's all about your choice on what you do once those emotions come up. Your emotions are going to happen no matter what, they're going to be there. It's your choice on what to do with them next. The first step is, of course, to be aware of your emotions and name them, disappointment, frustration, etc. And then it's an awareness of what to do with them next. So this has been a special episode of Brain Burrow, Brain Bites. And this, again, was just information to share with you, and you can do whatever you want with it. I'll put the links, of course, in the um, information for this podcast or vidcast. Feel free to check them out. So thank you very much for spending some time with me today. This is Mark D. Valenti for Brainborough. Have an amazing rest of your day. You just dug deep with Mark D. Do you want more? Follow Mark on Instagram at Valenti Horror and subscribe to the Brain Burrow Podcast.